Welcome to This Biz Life, the podcast that uncovers the heart of entrepreneurs through their story. I'm your host, Lizzie McCauley, a copywriter and copy coach with a massive soft spot for small business owners and entrepreneurs. I truly believe that storytelling is at the core of building any business and that our unique story is our marketing superpower. Each episode, I'll introduce you to a new business owning legend brave enough to share their story. And maybe, just maybe, you'll be inspired to share yours too. Ready to roll? Let's dive in. Shall we just? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. It is This Biz Life. This is yet another episode of excellence with another small business owner entrepreneur who is just wonderful. (laughs) My name is Lizzie McCauley. I'm the host and a general word lady copywriter type who kind of likes to have a chat with all these cool people and dig into their story and figure out how to weave it into their brand story in the back of my head while we're doing it. Uh, Today we've got a really big treat actually. It's one of the business owners that I admire most in at least in the country if not the entire world. Uh, today we have Tori who's going to talk to us about what life is like as you know uh, <laughs> an expat Texan living in rural Western Australia of all places. Tori's a rural and regional business coach. She's a wife, mother of two boys and as I mentioned she's a Texan transplant based on the family farm in the wheat belt of Western Australia. Holy moly what an interesting story that's going to be. She works with women across the country to create Create, grow, and scale, uh, and even sell them their signature offers. She's passionate about helping other women build a life first business and creating a business that truly works for them. Tori, hey there. How are you doing? Hey, yeah. Thanks so much for having me. What a lovely intro. Oh, gosh. I'm very, very excited to talk to you. We were just saying off mic that perhaps. We've been in each other's orbit for a little while, but we've never managed to really sit down and have a chin wag. So, of course, the most sensible way to do that is in a, an official recorded capacity, right? So- Obviously, let's broadcast it to the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's going to be great. So, Tori, uh, you are, let's say, we'll say a business coach. You represent rural and regional Australia and rural, rural and regional business people all over the world, right? Like you, you that's your thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, I, rural and regional people, like we are doing it differently out here in the bush. You know, we don't have, uh, so I live on the the family farm. So, you know, I'm half an hour from town. We have power outages. I can't just pop around the corner for milk. Mm. And so life is a logistical struggle, but then, or juggle, but then you add business into the mix. And so I've been at it for seven years now. I'm in my seventh year of business. And along the way, I've learned a fair bit. And now I'm just helping other women balance this country living with their businesses. And and really, you can run a business from anywhere. It's just about having um, tricks and tips and really solid strategy to get it done. Absolutely. And you have all of them because you've lived it and it's necessity, right? The mother of all invention and all of that. So I'm not sure if you know, Tori, but we ask everybody, everybody who comes on the same questions because it's really kind of great to compare notes and kind of peek in behind the curtain of what 
led us all to here. And sort of, start, I'm starting now, uh, several episodes in, to start to get a feel for what makes an entrepreneur tick. You know, how do we end up in small business versus having a, you know, real job? <laughs> we couldn't do it. I don't think anybody could be our bosses because it wouldn't work. Um, and so I ask five questions and then we're all done. So they're really straightforward. Well, some are curly, but they're like, well, they're straightforward on the face of it. So um, for anyone who's unsure, Tori has not been briefed on these questions beforehand. So this is going to be off the cuff, totally spontaneous answers. It's very exciting, right? <laughs> I love, love the spontaneity of it. So hit me with them. Let's see how I do. I, love it. <laughs> I think you're going to be excellent. Excellent. Right. Let's, let's dive in straight away. All right. So easy one. I've got a softball starting question. What's your story, Tori? Oh, right. Ooh. So <laughs> let's start at the beginning, shall we? Let's. <laughs> Uh, about 12 years ago. Well, no, let's go back even further. I was going to say, is that the beginning? You're not 12. (laughs) Let's go back way to the beginning. So back in Texas, I grew up in family business. So, you know, family business was all around me. And I remember when I was about 16 or 17, I said to my dad, we've got some serious inefficiencies in the business. He, um, was a veterinarian at 17, like the balls of me, um, (laughs) He was a veterinarian, his um owned his own practice. And I was just like, you know, let's optimize this, let's create some packages, let's wow. put people on to I where did I get that from? I'm not really sure at 17. But <laughs> yeah, like like small business is just a part of my life, and it's just the way my brain has been wired. And I think that you know, some people their superpowers are. And um, like you writing, mine is finding inefficiencies, fixing them, looking at a whole big picture approach and finding holes and seeing things that other people can't see. So at 17, family business, born and raised. And then I went to university. And instead of being, you know, a normal university student in America and getting like a job waitressing, I (laughs) said, that sounds like way too much hard work. I'm going to get my real estate license and have a side hustle selling houses. Nice. So Uh, as, as sort of a late teen whole. Yeah. So at at 18, I got my real estate license and started selling houses because that's, to me, I was like, well, I sell one house and I make what I would make in a month. Like it just sure. made so much more sense to me yeah. to do that. So um, I started working in real estate and a real estate, especially in America. in what was this? The, the late two thousands, like there was, it was all about personal brand and connection and mm. um, people were just starting to play with having an online presence. And so it was really important for me to build connections build my reputation, get referrals. And I learned so much in that entire process. So that as I, and inherently being in real estate in that part of America, it's not like sales just come across your desk, like you're working. So, um, it was very much my own, my first step into my own, like entrepreneurial experience. Amazing. So, that is how I paid for uni, got through uni. I wasn't waitressing, waitressing. I was, you know, selling houses and apartment hunting or helping other people find apartments, totally untraditional. And it 
worked for me. Like such a great avenue. I don't think Um, there's much that's traditional about you though. And I mean that in the, the greatest compliment I could give you is that like, or even (laughs) here you go, dad, here's some business advice. I've never run a business, but I definitely know what I'm talking about. And then just being able to own that and work from there and just have that innate ability. That's incredible. That's all. Yeah. And I I think it was just, it, it, to me, it's always about the past, path of least resistance. If we can do something better, let's do it better. And if we can do something and it's easier, like I'm all about, I'm a bit lazy. Let's do the easiest thing possible. No, you're so, smart, not lazy. Uh, <laughs> working smarter, not harder for I sure. Know. So <laughs> I got through uni and then I kind of looked at a map of the world. It was the middle of the GFC and no one was really hiring it was not a great time to be a uni grad. So I kind of looked at the world and I was like, mm, Australia will give me a visa. I think I'll go there. <laughs> that sounds cool. Why not? And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, flies, We those are not on the postcards. Like no one tells <laughs> you about the flies. Um, I'm not even sure that I knew Western Australia existed back then. <laughs> Farming, what? I thought it was all beaches here. Like <laughs> the ignorance of- uh, Yeah, having lived abroad as well people's opinion of what it is to be in Australia or their vision, their perception of what it is to be in Australia is spectacularly wrong. Almost always. <laughs> Absolutely. And so yeah, my, and I was a terrible backpacker like you, I was an awful backpacker. I think I had like two suitcases. It was terrible. It was <laughs> not, I was not a great backpacker. So I came over um, and I was backpacking around. I originally had a job um, as an au pair. So that's kind of, Ooh. I got hired when I was in Texas as an au pair. I got fired after two days. Oh, <laughs> apparently not for me. In hindsight, shocked I got the job. Like nice. I blame I the child though. Clearly, it was clearly yeah. just a bad fit because the child yeah, was wasn't a good fit. <laughs> and then I was backpacking around and traveling a bit, and I was working as a barmaid, and I met my now husband. Mm. Um, we had. I think I was on the ground. I was in, in Cundredon, the country pub for six weeks. And then I had my flight going back to, I was going to Singapore. I was going to do Southeast Asia. Then I was going to fly back to um, Texas and start a petroleum engineering degree. Cause I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was kind of like, well, I've done real estate. I've done, you know, practice management. And I was like, uh, STEM has always been really strong for me. Maybe I'll go into petroleum engineering. Wow. And that would be lucrative, I suppose as well. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and oil and gas is just like Texas through and through. Of course. So I, you know, that was my, my big picture plan. And then I met this guy who just kept coming to the pub every night. Ooh. And eventually I was like, no, 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 sorry. I've got a plan. Like I'm going to Singapore. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he dropped me off at the airport and I was going to Singapore. See you later, mate. And then checked my bags and I called him and said, I don't, I don't think I can go to Singapore. I think you need to come get me. Oh. So I had to stop the plane, get the bags off the plane. He had to come back and pick me up. And then I was in Cunderdon in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, what the heck am I going to do in Cunderdon? <laughs> so I started applying for jobs like a crazy person. I didn't really have much longer on my visa. So we had to do a visa run um, <laughs> to get me onto a tourist visa so that I could Whoa. stay in the country. Uh 
so I applied for hundreds of jobs. I mean, hundreds, but there was one job that said must be an American or an Australian to apply. And one out of hundreds that I had applied. So it was a Texas-based oil and gas company Ah. hiring for their remote office in Perth. Amazing. Like, so they were more than happy to have um, someone from America and then relocate them to Perth. But hi, I'm a Texan already in Perth. You don't need to pay any relocation fees. Just give me the freaking job so I can stay in the country. Although give and, me the relocation fees anyway. That would be helpful. Oh, that would have been very helpful. <laughs> but I applied for the job. I Was I qualified? I don't know. I don't know. But I wound up being the Australasian manager for this Texas-based oil and gas company. I mean, I was handling multi-million dollar contracts. I was handling business development. I was sitting down with execs at 21 negotiating contracts. Like it was, it was huge. So I stayed in that role for managing a team. Like it was a huge, huge opportunity. It was great. So I did that for three years and I was basically like the general manager of operations for for Australasia. It was incredible. Um, so that was my <laughs> dipping my toe into the corporate world. Dipping. <laughs> I think you maybe dove headfirst into the corporate world. More like, a little bit. It's amazing. Uh, it was, and it was great because, you know, I was able to fly back to Texas every six months. I got to see my family a lot. Um, I still got to travel a bit because, you know, Australasia, so I'd get to go to Malaysia or Singapore. So I did get to see Southeast Asia amazing. just as a on a corporate level, not on a say, on someone level. else's dime sounds like a great idea. If you're gonna travel, make someone else pay for it. That sounds absolutely there were no hostels, it was all hotels and drivers. <laughs> it was really good. Much better. <laughs> so I did that and I was driving. So the farm is only uh two uh, only two hours from Perth. So I could leave Perth on a like Friday night, drive to the farm, do the weekend, leave the farm on the Monday morning, and drive back. Wow. So I did that for years. And I was getting pretty burned out. It was a very big role. It was a a lot of late nights to stay in touch with the U.S. And so it was definitely like it was a full on position. It wasn't like nine to five clock off done. Um, So after three years, I actually got approached by a machinery manufacturer here in the wheat belt. And they said, we want you to come in and take over our sales and marketing and oversee the team. And so I was like, oh, sweet. Okay. Sure. So I got headhunted essentially, which was cool. Like still very young. Like I think I was 20, 24, gosh. (laughs) And so I went, I got headhunted, went to work for them. It was great. I ended up in kind of like that general manager role again, overseeing production, overseeing sales, marketing. I think I had a team of like 48, which for the wheat belt, like our town has 800 people in it. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I tripled sales into the, the, the multiple millions. It was, it was such a cool position to be in. But as I was in this role and I was, you know, outsourcing, bringing in support from different areas to support the business growth, I kept realizing over and over again, these, I, you know, I was bringing in like, um, a, a marketing agency from the city. I'd bring in like a web designer. I'd bring in, um, someone to like optimize systems, those sort of things. Those really high level consultants that you need when you're dealing with multiple millions of dollars and a million employees, Mm -hmm. it felt like (laughs) I realized they had no idea what we were doing out here in the country. (laughs) Like they had no idea. 
So when I'd be like, okay, well, we need X, Y, and Z done before field days, or we need this before harvest, or, you know, the, the internets, we, we need to change something about the internet or the internal systems. There was, it was so much was going over these people's heads. And I was like, no one at all is looking at us in the country and taking us one seriously or understanding the challenges that we have of just being regional. So as I stayed in this role, I was like, there's, this is an obvious gap in the market. Like this is just a gap in the market. And that's when I, my husband and I got married. Mm -hmm. I, the, the week before I got married or the, the week before we got on the plane, I got appendicitis (gasps) and had to have my appendix removed. And they said, that's probably due to stress. And I thought, Oh, that's not really a great way to live your life. Is it getting your appendix removed before you jet set to America for wedding? No, you're going to run out of organs eventually. If it's like, you have to remove one every time you're overly stressed. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So I was like, something probably has to change here. So Mm. I worked out that the lifestyle was great to a certain extent, but I did not want to be making other people multiple millions of dollars. Like that's not that fun. So I saw this gap in the market and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to once again, go head first into it. So I quit my, my job and I started my own marketing agency servicing regional and rural businesses. And that was back in 2016. So from that point, I worked mostly with Western Australian businesses. And then I started thinking like, just that big picture approach that I always had with businesses is okay, I can fix the marketing, but if we've got other issues going on, I I can't fix them if I'm a marketing specialist. So that's when I started evolving into that kind of business coaching role where like, we're looking at everything from strategy to systems to like, we need to look at every bit of the business because it may not be your marketing that's broken. It might be your offers or it might be your time management. It might be your own productivity. Like there could be other problems broken. So I was kind of felt like I was just putting a bandaid on things when I was working as a marketing consultant in the marketing agency. Um, and that's when I really started to evolve into this like business coach and and looking at big picture approach. So that was how I started my business <laughs> seven years ago. Especially, <sighs> I, I think probably the thing that you, you haven't touched on, which is probably one of the biggest things you do is, well, in, in my mind, like all of these logistical things is one thing, but, you know, there's a lot of belief that needs to come through, especially when you're regional. I think either you take yourself less seriously or you think that you're smaller or you think that big city people have more resources or there's all these other mm, niggling challenges that come through in your belief patterns because you don't live in an urban area. Do you see that come through a lot? Absolutely. And I think it's not just how others perceive us. It's how we perceive ourselves. It's it's how people position innately and position themselves in the market. And I think it's just about limited opportunities. You know, someone that's been working at the local cafe and then decides to go on their business to themselves, Mm -hmm. the town even might perceive you a bit differently and be like, what are you, I thought you just made coffees. Like, um, so growing and, and, doing more and growing your own business in a small town can be really scary because there's mm. just so many beliefs. So mindset is a huge part of it. And, and that was not something I could work on when I was just working in mar- like as a marketing agency. And that mindset piece is something that 
uh, in my mastermind, I would say we talk about mindset and imposter syndrome 50% of the time. Like it's just such a huge part of, of an entrepreneur's journey. Totally. Oh no, I get that. Even, even here, like I'm regional Australia as well. And when I opened my business, I opened it with the belief that nobody locally would want to work with me because we're just not there yet. We're not that kind of a town or whatever. And it took me a while to really go, no, do you know what? That's a terrible way of approaching it. And, um, you know, you've got to embrace where you're from and, and do what you can to promote the growth of the area as much as the growth of your own business. And it's all kind of reciprocated, right? Like there's it's a lot of room for everyone to learn from each other and support each other. Absolutely. And I think country Australia is so supportive. And so mm. once you're actually like, you embrace the fact that, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to put my business out there. Mm. Generally, you're met with like open arms and hoorays. Mm. And it's one of the reasons that I focus so much on building an entrepreneurial co uh, community in the country so that mm -hmm. you get to learn from other people, other women who are doing the same as you in different locations and hearing their their stories and their successes. And, and so it's why I've really focused on a country Australia because Overall, we're building the the ecosystem, the economic ecosystem yeah. of country Australia, especially with these online businesses. You know, we're bringing so much back to local economies. Totally. And also the cities have it covered as well. They don't need what regional Australians need or, or, <laughs> or anywhere in the world, regional business owners, because, you know, there's plenty of snappy business coaches who just don't get it as well. So if you're going to find somebody to take advice from somebody who's living that lifestyle who understands what happens when the freaking signal will not stay for your next zoom call or whatever you get it and you have solutions and you've trod that path before and you're able to lead them back out into the light which I just think is very very exciting so that kind of leads us to now and today and all the things that you're doing would you like does that kind of wrap that up do you think or is there, there more I mean the I, I guess along the way you know I've I've had two babies, so mm. I have a a four-year-old and an almost two-year-old, oh. or a, sorry, a five-year-old and uh -oh. an almost two-year-old. Yeah, well, he's <laughs> that, five next. That year, last year so. went super fast. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I've supported myself and grown my business through two maternity leaves, which I Maybe. think is really cool and a really important part of my business journey because you know sure. I've been able to scale back, maintain income have passive income through maternity leaves. Yeah. Uh, setting yourself up for maternity leave as an entrepreneur is a wild experience. <laughs> and having done it twice now, I feel like, yep, I got this. Nice. So yeah, I, I guess that's the only, only bit of the, of the journey we didn't cover. We do have a farm. So there is a farm on the side, yes. I say on the side, but I like, love that. That's your side hustle. My side hustle. <laughs> like it's a full blown farm. It's just my side hustle. <laughs> it's a priority, but not, not like the top priority. Not the top one. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. See, I can't imagine that you have many spare minutes left in your day. Like you've probably engineered your your business beautifully, but my goodness, what a lot of different elements to. There's so many different elements, and gosh, having a two year old on the move, mm -hmm. I'm a, and he started walking late, so like I got a lot of peace until <laughs> I didn't, and now he's just hell on wheels. Love him, but he's just more. Isn't that little hell. boys? Aren't they like more uh, active or something? 
yeah, we got, we got that time in spades. We got the activity <laughs> and the energy in spades. <laughs> choice. Yes, but you wouldn't have it any, well, aside from the moving around, you wouldn't have the child any other way. Maybe no, just the circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> or we just need to find a, I don't know, like a, a robot or something to tie them out for us. And that oh, be that'd be amazing. Like a dog <laughs> toy, but for your kid. Yes. Ah, hey, see? You heard it here first. We've got a new invention coming to the market very soon to just tuck new opportunities. See, with all these advancements in AI, it's just it's clearly on the cards, right? Mm. <laughs> very good. All right. I reckon we're up to question number two already. What's your greatest triumph? Oh. In business? Wherever you like, both, neither. Look, I think my greatest triumph is running a multiple six-figure business in the middle of nowhere <laughs> with two children and no support. <laughs> I think that is my, my, so we don't have family on the farm. My family's mm. in America. Mm. So I think the lack of physical support of my family um, and everything I've managed to achieve without that is probably wow. my my biggest triumph. Um I'm, I've looked for support in other areas. So, you know, I, I do outsource my cleaning. Quite right. Thank goodness. Could not live without that. Um, I outsource what I can, where I can, but yeah, I think my biggest triumph is getting to where I am today without having, I mean, I'd love it if I had like my mom next door or uh, my, my mother-in-law, my husband, uh, his mom passed away like 20 five years ago. So I've never had a mother-in-law. So I literally, it's just, I am the matriarch of the farm yet. I'm still doing all these other things. So I think that's my biggest triumph That's that's, that's not in life. In life. That is an epic triumph and, and should really, really be applauded. You know, like it's, it's not easy at the best of times, even if you've got mum living down the road and sometimes it's harder with mum living down the road but you know grass is always greener <laughs> always always <laughs> but, uh, it's not easy like it's everything is on your shoulders uh, like from the raising of the kids to the growing of the business to the making sure the farm is what it needs to be like whatever it is it all kind of comes down to you and your and your husband as well to a certain extent but there's no safety net. And I think that's, that's not easy. You know, that's it. There's not a safety net. And, you know, when it's, when it's go time on the farm and my husband's working ridiculous hours, you know, hundred hour weeks, 120 hour weeks. Gosh. I'm like, I don't even know how that's possible. <laughs> and I'm still working. And then we've got the kids and then I've got staff to feed and pay and all that and machinery to move. Um, yeah, there is no safety net. There's, there's no other option than just getting it done. But I think that is why I'm a girly that loves her holidays. Like, <laughs> yeah. Holidays are just, oh, they're for me. I love them. So I really prioritize holidays and making sure that they are booked in and we are off farm for those. Nice. Because that the booking of them is the hardest bit. I think the going on them is fabulous. But the, <laughs> the carving out that time and making sure that you have set things up in such a way that you can take that time is 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 kind of a fine art and obviously you've mastered it but so 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 necessary um do you go by yourself ever or do you always have is are they always family things always family but when we are on a family holiday as soon as we get there I tell my husband what I need for me so uh we were just at the beach and yeah. so I just said when we get there I need to make sure that I have a swim by myself 
once every couple of days. Like, Amazing. Just that's what I need. That's what's going to keep me sane. That's going to keep me happy. If I can sneak a nap in too, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm loving it. But I just, um, and I worked that out a couple of years ago. I was, we were on a holiday and I was like, I just want to go to the beach by myself, but I'd never communicated that. And sure. so how is he going to read my mind that I just want to go to the beach by myself? So <laughs> as soon as I said it, he was like, yeah, okay. Go to the beach by yourself. Totally. Had you built it up in your head? Oh, I'd really love, but oh, I've never had the conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and meanwhile, he's just unaware. And totally unaware. Tori, why are you making this such a big deal? Just go to the beach. Yeah, yeah it, like like a 15 minute, it's not even 15 minutes away, 20 minutes away. Like it's right there. Just go to the beach, go back. It's fine. The kids are asleep or watching the iPad. Like it's fine. Of course you can go to the beach. <laughs> that's awesome. I think that's a lesson in finding ways to ask for what you need without, you know, trying to predict what the person you're asking is going to, how they're going to respond, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think we we can build things up so much in our head and doesn't need to be skip it just ask that's that's the moral to that story I love it all right Tori what's something that surprised you Ooh, surprised me that's a good one what's my biggest surprise I think it surprised me that I am I was raised a city girl through and through like I mean, I say I come from a small town of 80,000 people, but like, <laughs> that's not a small town. <laughs> it's not a small town. So I think my biggest surprise that like, if you told 20 year old me, Hey, by the way, you're going to end up living on a farm two hours from a capital city, an hour from your biggest grocery store. Like that, I think. And I think when my family visits me, they're still surprised. They're like, I can't believe this is you. Do they still kind of look around and go, well, I, I don't understand what this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they get real shocked when I jump in a tractor and I move it. They're like, what? Very cool though. You can just Very show cool. all your moves. Like, yeah. <laughs> to move. So I think that's probably my biggest surprise that's is awesome. just where I've wound up yeah. and where life has taken me. For sure. But that's, it's, it's kind of, that's the fatiest story I think I've ever heard anybody tell ever though as well. It's like it all just slotted in and this one company that absolutely needed a Texan who, and I happened to be a Texan in the right place at the right time. And I couldn't leave at all. Like I, I would be pleasantly surprised by that as well. If that's how my life had been. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah, good, good amount of surprises for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's obviously not to discredit anything, any of your achievements that you have manifested and made happen and and you know worked yourself crazy to achieve but also there's like wow how things align when they're right is just incredible absolutely and I I I think you touched on it like manifesting and just like take no prisoners approach to life like I'm just this is gonna happen and I'm gonna make it happen just (laughs) yeah the take no prisoners approach to life is love it very important. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, no one else is going to do it for you. You've got to make it happen for yourself yeah. in the end, which is very cool. All right. Question number four. Oh my gosh, we're rolling through these. <laughs> All right. Do you have a moment in your life you wish you could do over? Oh, a moment. Could be something dumb. Um, look, I wish 
it is dumb. <laughs> I wish I could go back to university to worry and be like, girl, take it easy. Like, enjoy <laughs> yeah. these moments. You're going to be a mom with two kids in the middle of nowhere in Australia. Enjoy it. Live it up. So uh, I guess that's moment one. Like mm, I probably a- took that time for granted mm. as well as pre-children time with my husband, which I know I'll get like, we we get snippets here and there, but just sure. the freedom that we had, the flexibility to like, oh, let's go to Vanuatu for a couple of weeks. Like, you know, just jump on a plane. So I think those moments, those little snippets of life, I wish I could do them again and just savor them a bit more, maybe. That's totally fair. I, I, I see both of those. And because you just becoming a parent, you don't actually have any clue of what's what's coming I have no forth, idea really what's coming. <laughs> yeah. and that's not to say that it's not you know a very rewarding experience but wow like you just can't possibly prepare no matter what anybody says no. yeah I get that <laughs> I get that so they're not no they're not like massive moments that I would want to go back to again no. just like little little bits of my life I just wish mm-hmm. I savored them a bit more at the time for sure like, I-, I mean hindsight's 2020 like of course like now I don't realize what you had then. And I'm sure if you ask me in 10, 15 years, I'm going to say, I wish I was savoring those moments with my children a little bit more. Mm. But right now I'm like, "Eh." (laughs) the kids are just a bit much. That might be school holiday hangover, but. (laughs) (laughs) That's an age as well. They need you almost constantly, you know, and that, I think that obviously diminishes with time. And then that's when the, ah, just, you just got to make the most of it and and savor every minute. That's when people start using that line back at people with back at you. So I really (laughs) should just savor the moments that I have right now. But if I were where I am now, I wish I could relive my youth just a little bit. I I respect it. I'm with you. That's a really great answer because mine was, I don't know. So, you know, I respect an actual clear thought process. I, I, I'm with you. I get it. And I, I could, yep, I could do the same. So very good. Uh, <laughs> oh man, you've got me like lamenting my youth now. <laughs> I mean, like there were some good times. Exactly. No, I worked all through uni. Like I had, I, I finished fast. I did my degree in two and a half years because I did summer session every, every summer as well. So I, I, I rattled through it. I worked full-time while I was studying and I just did uni because you do uni rather than because I really, really, really wanted to. And I was desperate to learn new things. I wasn't desperate to learn new things. No, no. (laughs) So so you're right. I'm going to think about that for a while and have regret. So (laughs) that's all cool. All right. We're up to, wow, this has gone so quick today. Um, we're up to our final question already, and I'm sad to not chat to you anymore, but let's just like savor the, the next question savor the moment and like learn from the last question and apply it to this one. Um, do you have a parting lesson that you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, just do it, whatever it is, put your heart and soul into it and just get it done. Um, I think that's my approach for, for everything. Like if I'm going to do it, I'm not going to dip my toes in. I'm Mm. not going to like half do it. I'm just going to do it. Mm. Um, that is my, and and that's with everything that's from, you know, 
planning Christmas presents. That is from, um, <laughs> that is from planning holidays. That is from whatever it is. If I'm going to do it, if I'm going to put my time, my energy into it, um, it takes more time to think than it does to just freaking do it. You're right. I think we, so much stuff can just bounce around in our heads and we can think, Oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do Just do it. Like stop the energy, stop pouring your energy into thinking about it and pour your energy into doing it. And it it's going to be messy. It's probably not going to be perfect. It definitely won't be perfect. <laughs> it's, no, it could be absolute chaos, but at least you're getting a productive result instead of just thinking and wishing and hoping for a result. Mm. Um, I think if you can just do something and take action rather than sit in a moment and keep thinking about it, you'll have regrets. I mean, uh, here's a great example. I thought about launching a podcast for 12 months, Wow, 12 months. If I just freaking recorded it and started it, <laughs> then I would have had a podcast 12 months earlier and been building an <laughs> audience and expert authority and blah, blah, blah. All the things. But I thought yeah. about it for 12 mm-hmm. months instead of just freaking doing it. And once I did it, I was like, oh, this wasn't that hard. I should have done this 12 months ago. <laughs> no, there's a lot of there's a lot of stories that play in your brain that stop you from doing things. And I think what like the phrasing that's coming to my head as you're speaking is is I don't necessarily think it's a cliche, but the whole it's not a dress rehearsal. This is it. This is the only real shot at all of it that you have. So you might as well put your whole heart and soul into everything now and not put it off. Like what later, later when, you know, like it's such an abstract concept when now is really quite tangible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's probably why I holiday so hard. Cause I'm like, if I'm on <laughs> holidays, I'm freaking holidaying, you know, Amazing. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm not going to be thinking about all the other things I need to do. Mm. Um, it's another reason why I don't mom guilt is not for me. Like the decisions I've made, I've made for a reason. So I'm not going to think about them and lament them. I'm I've done them for a reason. It's the best options for the, for the family, for the farm, whatever it is. Sure. Um, yeah. So I think it's also a bit of that, just really backing myself. Like if I've made a decision, I assume that I've gone through a lot of decision-making to get there. But once I've made a decision, I'm just going to do it and do yeah, it right. with your, your whole heart. But yeah, just, I think we can spend so much time and thought and thinking and debating with ourselves instead of just taking action. I love it. I, <laughs> I'm going to spend some time having a little chew on all of the stuff we've talked about today. Tori. <laughs> I have loved it. It has raced by, even though it has been a normal amount of time for two people to have a conversation. <laughs> I could sit oh. and chat for hours and hours, but that's kind of it. So if people would like to find you, follow you, contact you, work with you, where do we go? Uh, ToriKopke.com, T-O-R-I. K-O-P-K-E.com is my website. Uh, socials, Tori.CopKey. Um, Instagram's my favorite. So that's where you can mostly find me. Nice. I've got a Facebook group, which is lots of fun. It's the hub mm. for rural and regional business women. So there's like 1400 women in there, which is really wow. cool from all over Australia and New Zealand. Nice. So those are kind of my, my channels. That's where I like to hang out and always up for a DM on Instagram, like (laughs) always up for a chat. So you slide into those Tori DMs. That's the way forward to, <laughs> to, to connect with Tori. Of course, we'll have all of the uh, contact details in the show notes as well and make sure everyone can find and follow 
and just marvel in all of the excellence and the powerful go forward energy that comes from Tori at all times. So, <laughs> so Tori, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for having the chat and sharing all of your amazing insights. It's been a fabulous talk today. Can't wait. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Hey, anytime. We'll just have to have like a, a do-over episode just for fun. Uh, <laughs> oh, I like it. Or maybe you could come on my podcast. We'll do swap cities. <gasps> let's make that happen. Let's let's do that because I do like to have a chat and I definitely like to have a chat with you. So, so that's it, everyone, for another week. I hope you have some fabulous times in your future. So have an amazing time. That's it from us. We'll see you next time. Okay. Bye, bye, bye. That's it for another episode of Storytelling Magnificence. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, then I'd love for you to tell your pals, leave a review, like, share, or subscribe. Whatever helps us get our stories into more ear holes. I'm about on all the socials at Write It Copywriting and my name, Lizzie McCauley. Until we do it all again next time, keep doing you. See ya.